We have a lot of rooted, deeply rooted issues in education. Who get centered as experts, whose voices we get to hear. And realizing that I do have biases, whether I don't or not, we all do. We start talking so much about it and so loudly, but then we start muffling the voices of the people who have actually experienced it. I'm Kelly Jackson, owner of the Simply Organized Teacher and host of the podcast Simply Teach. What things do we as educators need to be aware of? What things do we need to be doing or consuming so that we can be creating the best possible learning environments for all of our students, especially our students of color? That's what this Racism in Education series is all about. Practical things that we can be doing as educators to educate ourselves, educate our students, and make changes that will last for generations to come. No matter where you are on this journey, you're welcome here. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Simply Teach on racism in education. Today, in part three, we're going to be talking with Kay Valdez from Primary Cornerstone. Kay tells us all about the social justice standards that can be found on teachingtolerance.org. She shows us how to use morning meetings to foster these conversations with our students and where we as teachers can start on both a personal and a professional level in educating ourselves and educating our kids. Let's dive in. Hi, Kay. Welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. I'm excited to have you here today to talk about racism in education and more specifically on how to educate our kids on these topics. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Kelly. Um, I feel so honored. <laughs> I, When I reached out to you, I told you that I saw you present at the Total Teacher Summit um, and you talked on the social justice standards that exist that I embarrassingly did not know existed. So when I saw you talk on that, I knew that you were somebody that I wanted to have on the podcast and to talk about this and educate our teachers about this. But before we dive in, will you just educate the listeners a little bit on who you are, what you do, where you teach, all that good stuff? Perfect. Thank you. Um, so I'm Kay Valdez. Um, I usually pronounce it Valdez. <laughs> and I have a master's in ed. I am a first grade teacher in the state of Massachusetts. Um, and I also am a curriculum developer for dual language in my district. We're launching our first dual language program this coming fall. So we're super excited about that. Awesome. Good luck. I worked in a dual language campus. Um, it was an interesting experience, like with the <laughs> curriculum and all that. It it was a challenge. So, it sure um, is. Yeah, and you said you're also before we start recording that you're also getting your master's, correct? Your second yes. master's. Yes. So I have a master's in ed now, and I'm trying to get a master's in ed for administration. I'm also pursuing my PALS, which is my licensure to become a principal. So I'm just really excited about all of it, especially because my program revolves a lot around a lot of social justice practices and hands on and really trying to impact the community. So just felt like the perfect fit for me at this moment in time. Yeah. So let's talk about that. The social justice standards. I'm going to ask you some really naive questions. Um, how long have those been in existence? Are they a newer thing? Um, so they are created by tolerance, well, teaching tolerance, but their website is tolerance.org. Um, and they have been around for a couple of years, but it's not something that people openly speak about. I, I don't mainly see it in um, 
in mainstream education where it's been talked about in the same way that you talk about ELA or math standards. I was really introduced to them because of dual language, because one of the pillars of dual language is socio-cultural competence. And in order to really navigate that and understand it fully, um, you got to dive in deeply into the social justice standards. So in dual language, it is an expectation that those standards are embedded in our lessons. Um, no matter what we're teaching. So can you give us an overview of what the standards are, like what is included? I mean, when I was watching your training, I was like, whoa, these are deep. There's a lot there to it. So can you give us kind of a general overview of what all is included? Absolutely. So there's a total of 20 standards and they're divided. It kind of looks like a quadrant, so to speak. And there's four different domains and each domain has five standards. So the domains are identity, diversity, justice, and action. Within those, those five standards, they kind of build upon one another. And the wonderful thing about these standards is that they are K to 12. So they start at a, an appropriate developmental level for kindergarten students, and then they work on that. So it's very um, vertically aligned so that as you go up in grades, it does become a lot more intense, so to speak. And, and there's topics are covered in a different manner that's appropriate for the grade level. But again, the standards remain the same, kind of like the, the umbrella of them remain mm -hmm. the same all throughout. But like I said, there's four different domains. There's identity, um, which is really focusing on the person and who they are, diversity, understanding others around you. And I'm simplifying it a bit the way I do with my first graders. And then um, there's justice, understanding that there's injustice and that some people are treated better than others some people are treated poorly and then there's action okay i understand identity who i am i understand better people around me i understand that there is injustice now what do i do with that information and i think that's probably where a lot of our teachers are right now is in the action phase mm -hmm. like okay i'm learning this i'm becoming more aware of this and understanding it now what do i do how do i fix it isn't the right word because this isn't something that can be fixed overnight. Right. But how do I start uh, putting those changes into my teaching so that we can see change for generations to come? So how do, do these standards or maybe like even practically in your classroom, how do you integrate these into your daily lessons? Like, are you writing down what standards you're talking about each day? Is it more of like, I know these are the standards, so I'm just going to like weave it in. How do you do that? Right. So in two ways I do that, and I'm not trying to plug my resources here, but I well, do plug have away, a, plug a, away. <laughs> I do have a resource that it's, it's focused completely around the social justice standards. And it's a morning meeting um, conversation we have every single day. I have slides and we talk about it and my students understand fully what the standards are. And we have these questions that come up and they have to really deep, like go deep, dig deep to understand what we're talking about. The other thing is I always have a standard posted. So I don't like to really focus on like one standard every single day, just change it. I try to focus on like one standard and dig deep for about a week or so. So the students know, okay. So when we are looking at, let's say commerce, this is something we're learning about in social studies. We're also looking about looking at the standard of justice. And so we're understanding that in commerce, there's also a lot of injustices. There's 
farmers that are mistreated and they're working many hours and are considered like they are not educated, whereas then there's this other area, the industry. So all of these things that they're learning about on an everyday, um, just a routine that we're included in our lessons, there's so many different ways where we could just pull these standards and add them in and say, oh my gosh, look at this. Did you notice this? And the thing about it is that after a while, the students start noticing on their own, which is wonderful. So if you're having just a random conversation about something that happened in the school building in the cafeteria, you know, I had one student once raise their hand and say, well, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't just, that was an injustice. <laughs> and then the other ones were like, well, what did you do about it? And it's that action piece. So it's those everyday conversations and really holding each other accountable to understand, oh my gosh, we're going to notice all of these things. And again, what are we gonna do about it? So every Friday we have conversations around, hey, how was your week? What did you notice about your identity, the people around you, justice, and then were you able to take some action in some way, shape, or form? And, you know, when people are first introduced to social justice standards or social justice in general, because all of a sudden, you know, our country has been awoken to so many different things. Racism has been around forever, but now a lot of people are recognizing that, oh my gosh, it's still here. So a, a lot of this, a lot of people think that in order to be socially active and, and engage in justice, that we have to do these big things. But it's, a, it's okay to start small, to start it within your own circles, within that your own classroom, because that impact that you're making in there with those students is going to get, get out of the classroom, is going to go outside of the classroom because those students are going to start making an impact outside of that learning space. Well, I love that you do it in part of like as part of a morning meeting, because I've always been a huge advocate for class meetings, morning meetings, whatever you want to call them, but building that community. And I think that's what all this social justice stuff comes down to all the stuff we're learning about racism and everything. It all comes down to being in community with people. And I think that's what something in the past couple of years when I've been, you know, learning about this and um, trying to understand better is it's like, I need to be in community with people that are different than me so that I can be understanding like how something that might not seem like an injustice to me when it's pointed out with, you know, somebody else's perspective, like I'm, I'm given those experiences. And so I love that you're doing that even with kids that are six, seven, eight years old, because that's creating that environment and those skills to talk about those things as they get older, as things become more tense or harder to talk about more, um, like, you know, bigger, whatever. I like that you are doing it in the context of like a safe place of community. I think that's really important. Absolutely. And, and that's one thing that in our classrooms, we have to create those safe spaces. If, if you're going to start with social justice standards, um, it's important to, obviously, you're going to cover all of them, all of the different um, domains. We can't just pick and choose and stick with one all year long. But if, if you are to start with it, I would really suggest going in through the identity lens and really just empowering those students to embrace who they are and what they bring to the table. Because more often than not, what we discover is that Education has been, you know, there's a lot of systemic things and we have a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a lot of rooted, deeply rooted issues in education. And 
you know, education can be violent for students. And, and when we think violence, we think, you know, physical, but that's not the only violence that there is. There's a lot of mental violence and, and emotional violence. And so it's very important that as we're going in with this, that we embrace students' identities and allow for them to define who they are and create those safe spaces because we want to start having these conversations, but they're not going to happen on day one. Students are not going to automatically and immediately open up about all of these different identities that they hold on to, especially when we have identities that overlap with one another, that intersectionality that we talk a lot about. So it's important for us to start creating those safe spaces and letting them know you are welcomed here because over time, as you're building community, like you mentioned, you know these are people you can trust and that you can start showing all of these different facets, facets of your life and who you are and how multi-layered you can be. And then that's when we start truly seeing um, students' identities and for them to be open and comfortable to share in who they are. And once people, once all of these students are sharing their true identity, then everyone around them can start truly appreciating diversity. You can't appreciate diversity if students' identities are not on display for them to, to feel like they can be who they are within the classroom walls. Right. So you are a great person to interview because I feel like <laughs> everything, all my questions that I want to ask, you're like already answering that. Like you're oh. segueing, no, you're segueing right into them because you're talking about like how to start. So you say starting with identity. Um, mm-hmm. That was going to be my next question is like, where do teachers start both professional, I guess let's start personally, maybe. I think that before you can come into your classroom teaching these things, you need to make sure that you're in the right place to teach these things. Would you agree? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. okay. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so what would you recommend to teachers, like, if this is something they want to prioritize this upcoming year, where do they start personally and then where do they start professionally? Right. See, so education also, we have a lot of history in education. And one of the histories is that um, a lot of teachers go into it with a savior complex, go into Mm -hmm. teaching with a savior complex. I'm going to go in and I'm going to save these students. Um, And we predominantly see that happening in more, um, you know, inner city schools and, and what people like to call Title I, which again is coded word for a lot of other things. Can we, can we pause and talk about that for yeah. a second? Because yeah. I remember probably a year or two ago, seeing somebody talk about title one, not being um, like a good term to use that saying that, like, can you explain that? Can you elaborate on that? Because now every time I see title one, I'm in my head, I'm like, hmm, I don't think that that's the best way to be categorizing your school, but I'm not act, like, I couldn't tell somebody why. <laughs> Right. So Title One, I mean, it is what it is. If if you're a type in a Title One school, it means that the, it's these students are under free or reduced lunch, like a, a great um, amount of them, yeah. a high percentage of the students in the student body. But the thing is that what that illustrates to a lot of people, because we have all of these preconceived notions and things that have already been laid out for us to believe is that if you are in one of these schools, then there is low academic performance. 
students are running amok <laughs> in the hallways and in the classrooms and it's out of control. So there's, what it comes down to is that Title I exists. It, 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 we have Title I schools all over the country and there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. It's in the way that we use that terminology that because we have created a system where saying Title I illustrates to someone that you are in a school that is affected by poverty in some way, shape, or form, then what that translates to to some people is, oh, then you're like in an urban school, quote unquote. You're in a school where kids are not there to learn and you're with those kids, again, quote unquote. And I'm doing air quotes. You can't yeah, see you, them. <laughs> I see, but nobody else can see. I see your air quotes. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of air quotes. Um, those kids, or they don't like to learn. Those parents, you know? So it, we've created this culture. And so when you hear a lot of teachers kind of like preface things with that, they go in like, well, I work at a Title I school. And immediately you see the comment section. Everyone's like, oh, you poor thing. Oh, well, God bless you for putting up with that. It's like, mm, no one says that about the other schools. So why do we automatically have this perception of it? That's not how it is. That's not what Title I means at all. So we've created kind of like a definition for it. And, and speaking about the savior complex I was talking about, we create these savior complexes for ourselves and people kind of feed into that. And they're like, oh, you're so amazing because you're working in this school. You know, and I call it like the Michelle Pfeiffer's of the world because we're in this Hollywood mentality of we're going in and, you know, we're going to stand on tables and we're going to rap with them and we're going to join in with their families and we're we're going to radicalize and we're going to save them and so that can be very detrimental it could be very violent against students because we're going in with this notion that we're better than them and without us they can't survive we're the ones that are opening the doors to them and that's an issue I saw a really great graphic on Instagram, I think either today or yesterday. And it was like basically explaining the difference between being an ally and being a savior. And mm -hmm. I liked it because it, it talked about being a savior is you coming in and doing things so that people can recognize you for it. Like you get the accolades. Whereas being an ally is using, for me, a white person, using your privilege to advocate for your kids. Would you agree? Exactly. Yes, yes, it's it's different. It's two different things. Um, and even for myself, uh, I'm Latina and I am, so I'm considered a person of color, but I'm not black. I recognize that I'm white. My skin is, I mean, I'm very tanned right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have you know, kinky curls. So, but I'm, I know that I identify as white because when people see me, they know I'm Latina. But if you see me from across the room from really far away, the only thing you can see is the color of my skin. So I know that even though I'm a person of color, I need to be place myself in situations where I can be an ally also to others because I'm a person of color, but I'm not black. So I don't know the black experience. And I have to know when I'm part of a marginalized group, like I'm Latina, I'm a woman. And so I recognize when I'm on the marginalized side, but then I also recognize when I'm on the side of privilege. And that's very important. And it's hard 
kind of to go back and forth with that concept, but we have to know when we're on which side and what position we need to be taking. And so with that, I sometimes I have to just stand up and speak because I need a seat at the table. And if you're not gonna make a seat for me, I'm gonna pull up my own chair. In fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring my own table and then I'm gonna tell you, come and join me. But then there's other times where I need to sit down and shut up and listen <laughs> because there are other times that we need to be called in to be allies. So we were talking about um, starting, so you were saying like, as, as a personal level, identifying that we're not saviors, we're allies. Um, and then on a professional level, what does that look like a teacher wanting to start this process of educating their kids and, and working this into their daily lessons? Where do you say start for them? So as educators, we are people who want to jump right in and we want to get stuff done. And now that we've been, our eyes have been open to a lot of the systemic issues in our country and especially within education, particularly public education at this point. One of the things is that we read about this, we know about this and we want to jump right in and we want to do the work. But I would really strongly advise against doing those sort of things unless we sit down and we listen first. Um, what happens a lot of times is we want to go in and we have the best of intentions. We do. I know that. But the impact that we can have on others can be very harmful. So our intentions, as good as they may be, the impact we have can be a lot greater. So we have to really sit and listen. We have to listen to the voice of marginalized people. We have to listen to the voices of black people. We have to listen to our students. We have to listen and watch and observe and read. There are so many books out there that have been shared on Instagram. Uh, I myself created an Amazon list where you can just click on the it's a category is ABAR books, anti-bias, anti-racism. There's a bunch of books in there that we can read that will help us in our professional walk. But again, the number one thing is to listen because what happens is a lot of times we start becoming reflective, we become aware, and all of these things are great. But then we start talking so much about it and so loudly that then we start muffling the voices of the people who have actually experienced it. And we just go back into the same cycle again, where it's our voices being heard over the voices of the people that really need to be um, listened to at this time. Yeah. So you said you have a resource, right? I do. So there's a social justice morning meeting slides. I created them last year. I felt there was a great need in my classroom to, you know, I talked about these things and I had these conversations with my students already, but I wanted it to be something that was really embedded in my instruction and that was formal, that you could come in my room and ask, and I could quantify this in some way, shape, or form and say, okay, these are the standards I'm covering. Um, and so that was the thinking behind that. And again, like I said earlier, the, the standards cover K to 12. So what I did was I created for K to two, and that was it. That's, that's all I was going to do, just K to two, and I shared it on Instagram. And then a bunch of people started writing to me and say, hey, do you have this for upper grades? And I was like, oh, no, 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 chill. <laughs> I don't teach upper grades. I teach K to two. Thank you very much. 
But the pull was so much that I thought, okay, if this is vertically aligned, then I can definitely go back into the standards. I mean, we're teachers after all, we know how to dissect standards. I can go back and I could dissect them and figure out what those would look like in these gray levels according to their cognitive, um, where they're at cognitively and developmentally. So then I created one for three to five and one for six to eight. So across the prompts are the same, Mm -hmm. but they change um, depending on the audience, the images change. So I did that and I wasn't expecting for people to be, oh my gosh, this is great. I really did not. I just, I did it with my students in mind. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people were interested and I was able to really work on this. And it, it, I wasn't expecting it, but then it opened the doors for me to be a lot more cognizant of what I have created and what that looks like in my personal life and then the work that I have to do every single day. So it kind of, it was a, a blessing in disguise for me because it opened the doors for me to go into admin now and look at it from that lens specifically and how I can impact schools from that lens. So I'm very appreciative for those and for the people on Instagram. I love my people on Instagram. Well, I (laughs) I mean, I think that's awesome because I think that there are a lot of teachers that are out there that are hungry for this and they want to do something Um, I mean, I'm not currently in the classroom right now, but like that is something I would want as a classroom teacher, but as a middle-class white woman, it's like, I I almost feel paralyzed. Like, where do I even begin? Because I don't have the experiences to even know like what questions to talk about or what, you know, whatever. So I love that you are giving us this framework from the social, social justice standards and then this additional resource to go and have these conversations with your kids. Do you start this like on day one or within the first week or so typically, or do you wait or? I do. I I start right away because the first week of it is introduction. I don't dive into the questions or any of that. It's introduction. It explains all of the standards and and friendly language for the students. Um, So I make sure to include this first full week of how to dive into it with the students prior to actually doing the work. Because I, my number one thing I, I believe is that we need to start normalizing these conversations in the mm-hmm. classroom. They have been taboo for so long. We have been so afraid of it. We've been practicing under a colorblind lens. I don't see color. And it has been very detrimental for students because we've been practicing erasure. We've been erasing erasing student identities along the way. So yes, we have to normalize. So that's kind of like the the idea behind it. Okay. And then this might be a silly question, but I'm going to ask it because if I'm wondering it, then there's got to be other teachers who are wondering it. So you said to start to listen, like that is the first thing that we need to do. And I fully agree with that. If somebody is truly just starting and listening, would you recommend that they take some time before they were to have these morning meetings with their kids or start using these social justice standards? Or do you think it's something that they should be doing while they're listening? I think you can definitely start it because in this, again, because we start kind of like with identity, there's a lot of listening happening. And all classrooms across the country look different. So my classroom is going to look very different than someone else's. You may be in a classroom where every single student is white 
and the teacher is white. I was just about so, to ask this. <laughs> so they're going to come from a very different perspective and all their, their, their identities may be similar to one another. And then it's how do you um, look at diver diversity? And one of the things in the slides is also looking at different countries and learning about their cultures because, and not from a touristic point of view, Mm -hmm. um, there's opportunities for the teachers to really dive in and explore on their own and the students can really learn. But thinking of it on, on a, in a way where I really want to learn about these other cultures and what they're about. That can be hard when you're in a bubble, in a classroom where everyone looks like you, everyone talks like you, everyone thinks like you. So teachers have to really do, I would suggest for white teachers who are especially in those spaces, to really do some background work to educate themselves because then you're going to have to guide these students in understanding why they're learning about this. Why do you need to learn about diversity and people who are different from you? Why is it, is it important to take action? Otherwise, you're all on the same train, just encouraging each other to, oh, well, we're all the same, so why do we need diversity, <laughs> you know? So it's, I think it's different. You can dive in and learn along with the students, but you do need to have some background information, especially if you are white, because you need to know how to handle certain situations. But you also have to make sure to have safe spaces for students, because when you're in a classroom where everyone is the same in this way, and they've never experienced anything outside of it, they're gonna say things that are probably not gonna be politically correct, yeah. but you have to make sure that you are creating those safe spaces where they can speak their truth, because their experiences may have molded them to be this way. And so this is an opportunity to have conversations and grow together. But if we're going to, ostracize students for their beliefs or their truths because of the way that they grew up and the way that they see the world, then guess what? They're never going to speak again. And you'll mm -hmm. never have an opportunity to actually engage with them and help them to understand why diversity is important, the injustices in the world, and the actions that we need to take. I cool. hope I answered your question. No, you did. No, you did. I I was sitting here thinking, like, I feel like um, these social justice standards and your morning meeting slides maybe need to, like, make an appearance at Thanksgiving dinners or <laughs> with some um, family members. I feel like they could be some good conversation starters. Absolutely. And, you know, it's important that you said that because that's one of the things about action that we think action has to happen in this great, this grand mm -hmm. scheme like oh my gosh I need to be over the top and extra and it can start at the Thanksgiving dinner table it can start with with a family member with a friend who says a racist joke and you tell them you know that wasn't funny <laughs> it, it's it's those little things because yeah. over time one of the things we say is if if people around you are always saying racist jokes then you have to start wondering why they feel comfortable saying these things around you and it's I've never you, thought about it like that. Yeah. It's because you've never actually addressed it and said, hey, you know what? That's not cool. So we have to make sure that we're helping those around us in our smaller circles so they are understanding how their comments and their ideas can be problematic so that then we can have a bigger impact in the world around us. We have to start small. We want to go on Instagram, we want to preach to the crowd, we want to tell the whole world. Meanwhile, grandma mm -hmm. <laughs> is over here whispering in my ear something very, very problematic. And I'm just like, mm hmm, yeah, grandma, that's right. <laughs> you know? So yeah. I like yeah, that you just got a coffee delivery. 
Awesome. Yeah, that's Mr. Primary Cornerstone. He comes in and he just drops off. Oh, and look at the money. It says, hey, hey girl. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Thank well, you. thank you so much for sharing all this, for chatting with me. Will you tell everybody where we can find you and where we can find um, your resources? Yes. I am on primarycornerstone.com. That's my website. But I mostly live on Instagram. That's like my permanent house where I pay rent. And <laughs> you, you can find me on Instagram under the handle Primary Cornerstone. And through there, I share a lot of different things. And of course, I'm on Teachers Pay Teachers. Um, but again, through Instagram is where I, I share and connect with my people, so to speak. Um, and it's just, it's a great place. I love it there. <laughs> you should come Perfect. along for the ride. <laughs> yes, go follow, go follow. Okay, well, thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks for coming along on this journey. If you want any more information about the ladies that you're going to hear on this series or anything that you hear that we talk about in these episodes, you can find all the information over on the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash mini. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. If you enjoyed it, I'd be so grateful to have you share it over on social media and tag me at the Simply Organized Teacher. Or you can head to wherever you are listening to this podcast right now and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. This episode was edited by the team over at Podcastology. Remember all the show notes, links to things we talked about, classroom organization resources, and all of the courses can be found over on my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Make sure to join my email list and get weekly organization tips straight to your inbox by heading to thesimplyorganizedteacher.com slash email. Y'all have a great week.